I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not. Perhaps you have. You're trying to share your faith with someone else, a family member or friend, neighbor, and you're, do you're doing the absolute best you can. You're sharing every verse. You're trying every illustration. You're pulling the rabbit out of the hat. I mean, you're thinking, surely they have got to get this. But some way, somehow, they don't seem to get it. Now, don't be discouraged. And I want to say this carefully because it's very possible that we'd have someone in the meeting this morning that's not yet a believer, not yet born again, not yet convinced that Jesus is the only Savior. So I want to be careful what I say about this, but the scriptures are very clear that for those of us and all of us were once there. Nobody's born into this world as a Christian. Nobody. The Bible is very clear about that. We're born in sin. We go forth from the womb speaking lies. <laughs> uh, we are at best uh, sinners. And, and so uh, that's the reason we have to be born again. But all of us were there at one time. Some, by the grace of God, have found the secret. And the secret is a step. Are you listening? Of faith. You must hear the gospel. You must hear the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. So I hear the word of God. I hear, what does the gospel say? The gospel says that all of sin and the wages of sin is death. There is none good, no, not one. And that we need forgiveness. We need to be right with God. How, how does that happen? The good news is that a man left heaven. His name was the Son of God, eternal, by the way. And he came and occupied a body that was prepared for him. God steps into time in flesh. Incarnation. The Lord Jesus came. And he came, of course, for a purpose to take your place. The wages of sin is death. Guess who died? Christ died for you. The Bible is clear that he was buried and then he rose again from the dead. Now, uh, th that's the gospel. And so I need to hear that. Uh, nobody ever looked up into the sky and saw the moon or the stars or a sunset or a beautiful creation and said, I need Christ in my heart. You just can't do that. You got to hear about Christ. That's the reason we send missionaries. That's the reason we go to the darkest parts of the world. That's the reason, because Jesus said that you must hear about him in order to believe on him. So that's okay. Now, <clears throat> so my point is this. You can do the best you can. You, you can witness. You can read verses. You can pray. You can illustrate. You can do all of this. And the person maybe sits there and goes, I, I don't get that. I don't get that. That's okay. Listen, that's fine, because none of us got it until we did one thing and that is we must take a step of faith you hear the message and you must agree with God God is right and I'm wrong what whatever I believed however I was raised whatever it was I I was wrong and God is right so I'm gonna 
Take God's word. I'm going to believe God's word. That's faith. I'm going to trust in his son that he did it for me. That's relationship. And our eyes are open. And then we see, you know, man says, now God, you show me and I'll believe. <clears throat> God says, no, you believe and then I'll show you. It's always faith first. Now, just in case you've been really discouraged and you've been trying to point your neighbor or your loved one to the Lord and they're not getting it, uh, turn to John chapter 3. Let me show you a dilemma that the master soul winner himself had, the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 3. When you're turning there, let me remind you the story is about a man. His name is Nicodemus. Now, all I have to know is to know that Nicodemus is a sinner is that he was a man. That's all I got to know. <laughs> Everybody's a sinner. We read that in verse 1. Now, there was a man. Okay. Right away, I know he needs Christ. Okay. I don't need to know anything else about him. He's, he's not a giraffe, you know, he's not a chicken, <laughs> he's a man. And there was a man of the Pharisees, and it goes on to tell about that man. We know he was seeking the Lord, he came by night, we know he was a sincere man, he wanted to understand about the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus just says to him almost immediately in the conversation, you need to be born again. Guess what? He didn't get it. He did not get it. He said, you mean I got to go back to the hospital and be unborn? Like, how can I be born again? Now, here's the master soul winner. Here is God in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ witnessing, telling this man, Nicodemus, that he needed to be born again, but he couldn't get it. Matter of fact, he goes over it in some detail with him. He's still not getting it. And I want you to notice in verse 9 of this story, Nicodemus answered, that is, to the Lord, after the Lord tells him all of this, and he says, how can these things be? I'm not getting it. I don't understand it. And the Lord Jesus said, are you a teacher? Are you a master? Are, are you someone that, that is leading other people in Israel and you're not getting it? And so the Lord Jesus continues in his witness. Look at verse 14. Verse number 14. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of the most Famous, if not the most famous verse in all of the Bible, was first spoken to one man. One man. Yeah, sometimes we have sporting events and people hold up their little plaque, John 3.16. You know, well, that's great. That's great. Get the word out. That's, that's okay. But it's interesting to me that in the context of John 3.16, in order to understand what the Lord Jesus is saying, 
We've got to go back in time 1,500 years. Whoa, that's a long time to go back. 1,500 years before the Lord Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. And of all things, he talks about the serpent in the wilderness. Now, hold your hand here. We'll be back. Let's go. You ready to turn back? We're going back 1,500 years. Go ahead. I mean, you know where that is, of course. Numbers 21. Thank you. <laughs> and some other places, too, but we'll take Numbers 21. Numbers, book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 21. Now, the children of Israel have made the big escape from Egypt, and they're traveling to the promised land. They've already run into some snags along the way, and God's always met their needs. I mean, without fail, just when you think the needs are not going to be met, they are going to be met. But now they come into a different situation. Let me read in verse number 4 of Numbers 21. Watch your Bible. And the people, sorry, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten anyone when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, Remember, the Lord Jesus is instructing Nicodemus on what it means to be born again. Got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You got to be born again. The word means from above, a new birth, a second birth, a, a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. And Nicodemus is not getting it. And he says, okay, you listen, you know the scriptures. Let's talk about Moses and the serpent and maybe you will understand. Well, there's some interesting thing goes on here. Uh, let, me, let me cut right down to it for a moment and say this. Did you ever wonder how a snake could represent Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that. Let's look at the story. Verse 5. We, uh, verse 4, it says, now, it's certainly a, a shortcut through Edom if you look on your map sometime. If you want to get to the promised land, just cut through Edom. The problem was the Edomites said no. They said, well, look, we'll pay. 
We'll pay for the water. We'll pay for the grass that our flocks eat. You know, we won't disturb the lamb. We'll just come through. We'll be good guys. You know, just let us come. No. You got to go around. Oh, brother. I mean, listen, when I go on a trip, the last thing I want to do is go around some anywhere. I mean, if I pass a gas station and I'm low on gas, I hate to back up when I'm going on a trip. I'll say, oh, I'll find another one on the way. So these people, it said this, that uh, the soul, verse 4, the souls of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It was a desolate way. It was a hard way. It was a rugged way. It wasn't an easy way. And it was a longer way. And so the people are discouraged. Now, not only that, look in verse 5. They, they spake against God and they spake against Moses. Now keep that in the back of your mind. That's a big one. They spoke against God and they spoke against God's man, Moses. Matter of fact, that's going to be the problem. So they said, they asked him the question, well, why, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To die in this wilderness? Besides that, uh, there, there's no water and, and our soul doesn't, we don't appreciate this bread. There's no place to make bread. There's no place to get bread. There's no, we don't like, they, they didn't like the way they were led and they didn't like the way they were fed. Problem. Murmurers. Complainers. Oh, I know there wouldn't be anybody like that here this morning. I'm, I'm sure of that. But in case you know somebody like that, you could pass this message along to them. God does not appreciate that let it never be numbered or named among the people of God murmurers and complainers hmm well the plot thickens look at verse 6 not only is there rebellion but there's going to be judgment too now uh, look at verse 6 says and the Lord sent fiery serpents well <clears throat> I was reading a commentary one time. You know, some commentaries, I guess, are really good. And some of them are, like, really bad. And you got to be careful who you read. Matter of fact, you got to know the Bible before you can read a commentary. <laughs> so to figure out whether the guy's telling you the right thing or not. I read a commentary. You know what it said? It said, uh, the people of Israel wandered into the wilderness into a snake pit. No, they didn't. They didn't wander into a snake pit says, the Lord sent fiery serpents. Now, listen, I, 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 I give you the credit. There's a lot of uh, uh, serpents and scorpions and even flying, biting things. If you look up the, uh, the, the geography here and where they were, it was common. But they didn't wander off into a snake pit. God did it. God sent. You see, wherever there's rebellion, there's always judgment. There's always retribution. I mean, sin has its consequences, folks. A guy drinks alcohol for 40 years and says, nothing's going to happen to me. Well, listen, sin always has its consequences. You lie for 40 years. Uh, you abuse your body for 40 years. Uh, you do anything for a long time. Anything you do long enough, you get good at. Let me tell you that. But it has consequences. And sin certainly has consequences. The wages of sin is death. That's a consequence. And, and you and I need to figure this out. God doesn't appreciate us to rebel, speak evil, murmur, complain, contention, strife. That is not good. Not good. 
the Lord sent fiery serpents. Notice what happened in verse 6. Uh, and they bit the people, and much people died. This is serious. This is like, I don't know, when's the last time you heard anybody die from a snake bite? Well, I, you know, it happens, but it's rare. But there's no antibiotics here. There's no anything for help here. You, you get bit by a fiery serpent. This is what we know about them. Uh, we know that they were fiery in verse 6, and we know that they were fatal. <laughs> Uh, we don't know if fiery meant the color of the serpent or the pain that they inflicted. But we do know that they, uh, the people got bit and much people died. Now, <clears throat> there's been suggestions, and again from people who supposedly know more than any of us, they do research on serpents and things like that. And they said this, that the poison was so deadly on these serpents that they only cure from death, if you got bit, was to cut that part of the body off wherever you got bit. Now, if you got bit in the neck, uh, too bad, you know. <laughs> I guess you're hoping for a hand or a foot or something like that, you know. But that's the only way. That's the only way that you could survive. Uh, the others suggested that the poison is so deadly and so fast that they, uh, they might die before they feel the pain. This is serious. And God did it. God doesn't appreciate murmuring and speaking evil against him and against his man, Moses. And so they uh, got the consequences of that. That's verse 6. Now look at verse 7. Therefore the people uh, came to Moses and they said, we've sinned. Isn't that interesting? They acknowledge what the problem was. They didn't say, oh, my, we've wandered off into a snake pit. <laughs> they said, we, we know what's happened. What, what has happened here is that we have sinned, and now notice how particular they are in their confession and acknowledgement of sin. In verse 7, we have spoken against the Lord, and we have spoken against you, Moses. They knew. You see, the, the Lord is so gracious. He gives us a conscience. And then he gives the work of the Holy Spirit. Whether you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, or whether you are not, you still have a conscience, and you still have the Holy Spirit of God working in you. If you've never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is convincing you and convicting you through the providence of God, through the circumstances of life, through the word of God, through your own heart, your own conscience, that there is something wrong. That's the Holy Spirit working. Saying it's not right. Church is not enough. Religion is not enough. Something else has to happen, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the believer who's already trusted the Lord Jesus, he still you still have a conscience and you still have the Spirit of God working in your heart. You're going along and uh, uh, all of a sudden the Spirit of God said, Joe, why did you say that? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Why, why do I feel like that? I've said something wrong. I've, I've accused someone. I've belittled someone. Or, or I had a bad thought. Or I had a wrong deed. And the Spirit of God 
I call him the built-in sin detector. <laughs> I mean, it's just like he, he knows. And, and, and he lets us know when we go wrong, when we go south with something, when it's not right, the Spirit of God is working in our heart. He was working in their heart. They said, oh my, we've sinned. And we know what the sin is. We've murmured against the Lord. We've murmured against Moses, God's man. Just take that parenthesis, put that into uh, today, 3,500 years later now. You know, the Lord has told us that there is a order in the Godhead. It's Father, Son, and Spirit. There's order in the home. That's the husband, the wife, the children. There's order in the assembly, and that is the elders and then the flock. And uh, the Bible is very clear about that, that what God has established, let us not speak evil of. Now, I know you would never speak evil of a pastor and or shepherd and or elder, all the same people. You would never do that, I'm sure. You wouldn't go home and have roast elder for lunch. No, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't do that. Now, I'm going to tell you why you wouldn't do that. You're, you're asking God to send the snakes if you, do, if you do that. You don't want the snakes coming, let me tell you. That is not good. God doesn't like that. If you speak evil against the Lord, and you say, I don't know why God's always doing this. Well, why, why? I don't like what God is doing. I don't understand what God is doing. And those old uh, pastors and elders and shepherds, I, I, don't, I don't like. Be careful, the snakes are crawling toward your house, folks. And they are fiery, and they are fatal. Now, don't you go home and say, Joe Reese said, if you ever said anything about an elder, you're going to die. I didn't say that. I might have thought that, but I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you it is serious. Take it serious. They identified the sin. They said, we have spoken against you. And this is their conclusion. Look in verse 7. They said this. They said, um, uh, pray. Pray, Moses, to the Lord that he would take away the serpents. That's like us in life, isn't it? We, uh, we always want the problem to go away. You say, oh, I got a problem. Oh, Lord, take the problem away. And that's what they wanted. Take the problem away. If we, didn't, if we just didn't have these snakes around here, we'd be okay. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be okay. The world is full of problems, and you got problems. Someone said, it's not the direction of the gale, but the set of the sail that determines the direction of the ship. How do you respond to problems? How do you react? What do you do? Well, look at this example. We've sinned. We know why the serpents are here. We've sinned. Just take the serpents away. So we got rebellion. Then we got retribution. Then we got repentance. Isn't that good? We've sinned. And then God says, I'll give you the remedy. Now watch the remedy. Here we go. Uh, and verse number 8. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm not going to take the serpents away, Moses. I got a better plan. Make a fiery serpent. Set it on a pole, and when it comes to pass, that anyone or everyone that has been bitten, when he looks on the serpent, he shall live. Now, there's several things we know about the remedy. First of all, it wasn't instantaneous. 
You got to make it. Now, get, get your head around this. There's snakes everywhere. And people have been bitten everywhere. Matter of fact, while these people are complaining, people are still being bitten. And while they're saying, Moses, Moses, we've sinned, someone else just got bitten by a serpent. And this is going on continually. People are dying continually. And so God says, make a fiery serpent. Make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. How long does it take to make a serpent of brass? It's not like, oh, I just happen to have one in my pocket. <laughs> Let's put this on the pole. No, no, you got to make it. You got to build a fire. You got to gather material. You, you have to melt the material. You have to form it into uh, the shape of a serpent. And you got to put it on a pole. Listen, what I'm saying is that didn't happen in five minutes. It, it might have taken some time for that to happen. But that was the instructions. So first of all, it was a brazen serpent. And second of all, it was put on a pole. Now, <clears throat> let's just pause in this story for a minute and let's remember what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Okay, what do we got over here in the wilderness? We got a serpent of brass on a pole. What do we got over here? Well, it was yet future when he told Nicodemus, but we know this, that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up on a cross. So the question is, how can a serpent of brass represent or be like, or in some way associate with, the Lord Jesus lifted up on a cross. Well, I'm glad you asked, because it's kind of interesting. First of all, it was made of brass. Now, you just check the scriptures out. Wherever brass is mentioned, it is always associated with judgment. Interesting. Even the picture of the Lord Jesus in the Revelation he gives this awesome picture of the Lord Jesus, and then it gets down to his feet and to his legs and to his feet, and he says his feet was like burnished brass, and he goes forth stomping in judgment. Wow. So brass representing judgment, what does the snake represent? Sin. Right from the beginning. Sin, the old serpent in the garden. Matter of fact, the raised Serpent forms the letter S. And when you say sin, you can hear the hiss. <laughs> so now we've got a serpent representing sin and brass representing judgment. What's the picture? It's a picture of sin being judged. What do we have over here? We have the spotless Lamb of God who knew no sin, did no sin, in him was no sin. But God laid on him your sin and my sin and the sins of the world. And there is what? A picture of what? Sin being judged. Not hard, is it? We have a serpent of brass. We have the Lord Jesus on a pole. Now notice, it was God's remedy over here. God said, you make a serpent of brass. And anyone that is bitten, when he looks at the serpent of brass, he'll be healed. Now, I know three things about this. First of all, it's God's way. It's the only way. 
You say, well, I've got my home remedy. I got my snake bite kit right here. I know how to do this, you know, if I get it won't work. So everyone that was bitten does. Everyone, except those that looked. It was one way. It was sufficient because when they looked, it worked. And it was never failing. Look at verse 8 at the end. When he looks upon it, he shall live. Everyone that is bitten when he looks, he'll live. Everyone will live. It was God's remedy. It was sufficient remedy. It was never failing remedy. Now, what's the secret? You got to look. You have to look. You say, just, just look? Yeah, just look. But let me tell you something. You won't look if you don't believe. You will not look if you don't believe. You see, when he looks, it was simple. You got to look. It was personal. One can't look for the other. <laughs> you got to look for yourself. But it was absolutely necessary. If you didn't look, you wouldn't live. So we got a serpent on a brass. Uh, we got a serpent, a brass on a pole. We got a person who's bitten. And the person, when he believes God's message, what's God's message? If you're bitten by a serpent and you look, you'll live. So they believe the message, they look, they're healed. What's, what about this? 3,500 years later, today, Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He has risen from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He's coming back. But the message of the cross is still here. What's the message of the cross? Christ died for you. He took your sin. God's judging him for your sin. God is judging sin on the cross. How do you, how do you make that personal? How You see, <clears throat> here's the situation. Every one of us in this room has been bitten by the serpent. The old serpent. And the fatal venom is in the veins, folks. And it's deadly and it's terminal. And there's only one way for you to be cured. And that is to look at the Lord Jesus. Remember in John it says, Everyone that believes on him shall be saved. Remember that? That is a look of faith. You can't look to the Lord Jesus without believing. You can't look at that serpent without believing. The messages have changed. But the method is the same. It is by faith. You say, well, uh, I'm not sure about that. So let's, uh, let's think of a situation. Um, we're, we're going to think of the scene. It's in the middle of the camp, at least it's, so it's visible to the whole camp. It must be a very high pole. It must be obvious. There's something different about it. It stands out. It is God's way. There's no other way. And so Moses says to the people, go tell everybody in the camp, if anybody is bitten, they must come and look at the serpent of brass. So the messengers go out. Moses goes out. Moses comes to this guy and he says, listen, I see you've been bitten by the serpent. And uh, you need to come. God has told us we made a serpent of brass and it's on the pole. And you must look. There's no other way. And, and that person said to Moses, well, I, you're right, Moses. I have been bitten. But, but do you see this guy over here? He, he was bitten three times. Maybe you should talk to him first. In other words, I'm not as bitten as bad as that guy. <laughs> this guy, I don't really need that. I'm only bitten once. I mean, it's not even hurting yet. Like, uh, 
Are you getting that illustration, folks? Somebody tells you you need Jesus, and you say, well, my neighbor, he's a real rascal. You know, he really needs Jesus. You must make it personal. Moses goes to another one and says, listen, you, you've been bitten, and uh, you need to look at the serpent of brass. And he, he's going like this. He says, you know, this thing is hung on to me, but I'm trying to shake it off. You know, I'm going to shake that snake off of me if I possibly can. A lot of people treat sin like that. I'm working on it. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to shake off my serpent that has bitten me. And I'm, I'm, work, I'm going, I, but he won't look. He, he comes to another one, and, uh, and another one says, uh, you know, I have been bitten, but I'm feeling a little bit better. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to survive this thing. It's not as bad as other people, and uh, I, I'm up on it, and, and he won't look. He comes to another one, and this other one says, man, I'm bitten, and it's hurting, and I think I'm going to die, but I'm waiting for a feeling, a healing feeling. But he won't look. Moses goes to another one and says, listen, I see you've been bitten. Your leg is all swollen during the final moment. You're about to die. Come and look. And he said, Moses, I don't like you. Matter of fact, I never have liked you, ever. Listen, I'd like for all of you to like me, but get the point. If you hate me, you better love Jesus. You get the point? It is not the preacher. It is not the vessel. I tried to, uh, trying to win a friend of mine to the Lord. One day he came out to the Bible chapel. I happen to be preaching. This is over in Sault Ste. Marie in Ontario. And there he was. He, he's very, you know, he's there, but he's there. He's not happily there, but he's there. Okay. And so I preached the best I could. And afterwards, he shot for the door. I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't go, don't go. I said, how you doing? He said, I didn't like that at all. I said, you didn't? He said, no. He said, you hollered. You, you hollered. You, you, you told we, me and others we were going to hell. I don't like that. I said, uh, let's call him Leroy. That wasn't his name, but we'll call him Leroy, okay? Protect the names to... Uh, protect the guilt, change the names to protect the guilty, but anyhow. So uh, I said, Leroy, I said, look, let's suppose it's wintertime and uh, the lake is frozen over and you and your son are on snowmobiles and you're enjoying the winter activities. And so your son is out there and he's going around and you're over here, but you notice that in the middle of the lake, it's not completely frozen over, and your son is headed for that, and you know that if he gets to that thin ice, he's going to go through. I said, what would you do? He said, I'd tell him don't go out there. I said, what if he didn't listen? Would you holler? That's the reason we holler sometimes. People don't listen. Of course you would holler. You would do anything. You, you, you would get their attention. You would say, don't go there, don't go there, stop. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. There's only one cure for a snake bite. One. It's not me. It's not nothing to do with me. It's this man who hung on a cross. His name is Jesus. 
Moses goes to another guy, and uh, he says to this guy, Moses, uh, listen, uh, I, I know there's a theory uh, going through the camp. And Moses said, what's that? He said, it's the theory of the brazen serpent. Have you heard about that? It's just gossip, you know. Moses said, no, it's not gossip. It's the real deal. It's God's remedy. It's never failing. It's sufficient. It is simple. It is personal. It is absolutely necessary. Now, change scenes. We're over here. Now, here's the Lord Jesus on the cross dying for you. And every one of us have been bitten by the serpent. Some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, you need to look. You say, how do I look? Just agree with God. Just say, God, I'm the sinner and, and I believe your son's the only Savior. I, I, I know I can't do it myself. I, I, I have no resources. I, 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 I'm empty. The Spirit of God has, has convinced me and convicted me and I, I need to do something. Then look, folks. Just look. There he is for you. A look of faith. Agreeing with God. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not something that you do. The Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. But listen, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You need to look. I close with one last story. We're not to look to ourselves. A psychologist will tell you that. Now, you just need to look into the inner man. Go, wow, that is so bad in there. I do not want to look in there. <laughs> you don't need to look to yourself. You don't even need to look to the wounds. You don't look around you. You don't look at the pole. A lot of people could look at the cross, and they hang it around their neck. They put it on their ears. They put it on the top of buildings. They hang it off of their rearview mirror. But it's not the cross. It is the one who hung on the cross. You know, that cross could have housed other people, you know. I don't cherish the old rugged cross. Sorry, I sing it sometime, but I don't cherish it. But I cherish the Christ of the cross. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not to look to ordinances. I'm not to look to church. I'm not to look to men. I'm not to look to angels. I'm to look at him, the Lord Jesus. Moses is making his way through the camp, and he comes to a scene. There's a father and two children. He's holding them like this, just little children. And in a shallow grave is the mom. She is gone. And while they're standing there, a snake bites a little girl. Dad, daddy, daddy, daddy. Moses tells a man, listen, we've made a serpent of brass. It's in the middle of the camp. Come, come now. Grab your little girl. Come with me. Daddy, it hurts. It hurts, Daddy. He grabs that little girl. And they run through the middle of the camp. And as they come around the tent, he said, honey, do you see it? Do you see it? Look, look, there's a serpent of brass. Can you see it, honey? Look at it. Look at it. It's God's way. Please look at it. Look at it. 
I can see it, Daddy. I can see it. Daddy, it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't hurt anymore, Daddy. Tears are streaming down his face. Oh, God. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for everyone that is bitten when they look. This is God's promise. Shall live. Can you see it? Can you see it? Please look. Please look. Because on the authority of, of this Bible and by personal experience and dozens in this room know what I'm talking about. You will be forgiven. You will be spiritually healed. You will be accepted in the family of God. You will have the guarantee of eternal life and an abundant life on earth and a shepherd, a good shepherd that will never leave you or forsake you. You get it all in Christ. And if you don't look, you will die in your sin. Father, we are almost embarrassed to pray. What could be simpler than somebody taking my place? What could be greater than God taking my place through his son, Jesus? But we know that Nicodemus didn't get it until later. We thank you, Father, that he did get it. Because at some point, Nicodemus had to take a step of faith, even though it was the Lord Jesus who witnessed to him. So should there be one, just one, young, middle-aged, older, that needs to look. Oh, they've looked at themselves, they've looked at church, they've looked to religion, they've even looked to the cross, but they've never in faith looked to Jesus. We're praying this morning they will take a step of faith and they will behold the Lamb of God this morning. Thank you that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life and father for many in this room they've taken that step some recent some years ago we're praying that this will just renew their faith encourage them along the way and help them in their witness to others but we're asking you father in this moment of time that someone might indeed be born again by looking to what the Lord Jesus has done for them on an old cross so many years ago. In his name, amen.